Hey everybody, it's Greg. Episodes of the QNT podcast were recorded between June and September 2022. All mentions of the Patreon are now obsolete as that channel no longer exists. The information, however, is still relevant and hopefully you find some value in it. Enjoy. Yo, 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 what's going on, everyone? This is Greg Lunt, and welcome to my Quant podcast here on Patreon. This recording is taking place on June 2nd, 2022, and this is our very first episode. My guest today is someone who has contributed an immense amount to the Quant community over the years. He's done everything from leading roundtable discussions with other OGs, to publishing YouTube content, to holding live Telegram calls to help us all understand the deepest and most noteworthy connections Quan has made. His monologues are second to none, and he's someone who I've looked up to personally for a long time in the community. I'm honored to welcome the ghost of St. Miklos to the podcast. Thanks, Greg. You honor me excessively, and as well, I am also honored to be the first inaugural guest. I look forward to what we're going to be talking about today. Yeah, as do I. And I wouldn't have had it any other way. Thank you for joining me and for being so gracious with your time. You know, a lot of podcasts, they want to jump right in. And I figured that I would do something a little bit different where instead of getting to the meat right away, I want to play a little game with you just to help the audience get to know you a little bit better. It's pretty lighthearted. I want to do a little bit of a lightning round, just kind of a this or that. You don't have to do any explanations. I'm going to fire away, do little this or that at you and see what you got. Go for it. All right. iPhone or Android? Android. Mac or PC? PC. Video games or board games? I mean, historically video games, but I do enjoy a board game every now and then. Early mornings or late nights? I used to be a late night person, but now I am definitely an early morning guy. Ninjas or pirates? If you said samurai or pirates, it'd make this a lot harder, but I think I have to go with pirates. Are the ninjas not evolved enough? I think there's a, like, a sense of perverse honor with pirates that ninjas are honorably perverse if that makes any sense. <laughs> you <laughs> okay, know, <laughs> I got you. Star Wars or Star Trek? Star Wars for sure. Michael Jordan or LeBron James? Oh, Lord. I mean, you got to go with Jordan, man. His heights were so high, literally and figuratively. LeBron is fantastic and an all-round defender and an amazing player. But the rings, they speak for themselves. Sweaters or hoodies? Bro, I had my first knitted sweater like last year. And it changed my life. So I, I, I think I'll have to go sweaters on this one. And singing or dancing? Hmm. They usually go hand in hand. So I would say both on that one too. But I think I lean personally more towards being a singer than a dancer. Well, I do think that just a little exercise like that kind of lets people know who you are or how you think without you know having to try too hard. So I would, if it's cool with you, just like to also get a little bit into your background, and we can start all the way in the beginning. You know, I would personally love to know more about where or how you grew up, what kind of family you were a part of, what hobbies you had as a kid, um, anything that you want to share about, you know, your early years and give me some insight into Ghost as a young lad. Yeah, well, I've been blessed to have a, like a very loving family from a young age. You know, my parents, they never divorced. So, I, you know, there's a lot of consistency there. That's so fundamentally, like, important 
And especially nowadays, it's something you can't take for granted. So I'm definitely blessed to have that. I moved around a little bit when I was uh, younger, but by the time I was in kindergarten, I, I was pretty well established in Texas. I always loved exploring. Like I, I think I was always in an adventurer at heart. If there was a trail on yet blaze, I was going to blaze it. And if, if there was something novel or new that needed to be explored, I was your man. I loved to read. I love anything to do with outdoors. And, you know, I also, because of that adventuring instinct, I kind of got sucked into video games for a long time too. I guess to fast forward to like more into adulthood, in college, I was on a path for pre-med following in the footsteps of my family. And uh, I kind of felt this weird inertia in myself, like self-motivation. I just kind of like didn't feel motivated to, to complete that course. And I couldn't put my finger on why. It was really strange. And I took some years off of college in order to find that out. And ultimately, I think rather than me finding out, I think crypto found me. Bitcoin, like philosophically, like really appealed to me from a very young age. And I saw it as like this kind of ideal money because I was like a libertarian, like pseudo-anarchist, like little edgelord. And it's like, oh, this is so cool. And I thought I, I, the first time I saw it, I was like, oh, this, this thing is going to die. There's no way this thing is going to live. Like it's too good to be true. But like, lo and behold, like a few years later, I found it again. It was like, well, yeah, let's go take a crack at it. Let's go into this world. Years and years later, it's like, uh, it's led me to where we are now with like, you know, um, crypto is bigger than ever, um, for better or worse. And uh, there's a lot of different projects with really cool tech and really great people that you can meet and, and interact with and exchange ideas with and ultimately build with. I couldn't be more blessed to be in a position to not only learn, but also to educate about fundamental principles, like not only about investing, but also about just things that are cardinal to being really. Yeah. I don't know. I, I'm here now. I'm here part of the quant community. It's a blast to be here. It's a blast to kind of witness the unfolding of the network of networks that will be web three. Yeah. I, mean, I guess that's what brought me here to you, Greg. Yeah. Well, here we are. And we got a little bit ahead and I definitely want to ask you about crypto and about quant, but just to, to keep it on you in your growing up years, just for a second, I'm curious how you approach school. Did you enjoy school? Were you a good student? Um, did you do well with the girls? Did you play sports? <laughs> what was school? Like, I know you mentioned the pre-med stuff, but what about pre-college? Oh, dude, I, I, um, <laughs> I was a bit of a dweeb, honestly. Like I had a, like girls were for, like an alien to me. I didn't know how to deal with them. Um, but <laughs> like school, with regard to school, like school was, um, it was easy. So I didn't really have to try. So when I got to college and I kind of encountered that inertia I was telling you about, I think that was like when it actually like started getting difficult. And it, it took me a while to kind of reorient toward that and actually start like learning how to work hard. And so I had to like realize that you can't just coast on how smart you think you are because someone else who's more willing to work hard will kick your ass every time. I had a tight-knit group of friends. I was never especially popular, but I found my own little niches and, you know, cliques of people. So I was able to pass by without too much of a hitch. I think that sounds like a lot of us coming up and, uh, you know, you just find the people that you, you resonate the most with and you get through school. It sounds like it was pretty easy for you. For me, it was a little bit more of a struggle just because I was the way that 
most classes were taught. I just got really bored and antsy and I didn't like to study and things like that. But, you know, you make it through and you you make friends and you figure out what you're interested in. And I do think there's a lot of social value to school and learning how to inter how to interact and how to make friends and how to deal with bullies and all these types of things. So thank you for all that insight. And then you did mention how you were looking to be a doctor potentially, and then that didn't really vibe with you at some point. What ended up happening after that in terms of, are there any kind of professional achievements that you're proud of along the way, or what kind of fields did you start to get interested in? Oh, so if you want to be a doctor, you can't not be interested in the body. I've always had an interest in the body and how, how we're made, how we're constructed and how like all these intricate parts, how all these different facets of being work together to like keep you alive. It's like, it's amazing. Uh, and so that, that always interested me. Frankly, I dropped out and I took like some years to like travel around America. I have a lot of interests. I read a lot of books in the meantime. I read a lot of philosophy. I like reading research papers. <laughs> I, I, you know, like reading white papers before white papers were cool sort of thing. Also just like medical documents and I like sci-fi. And again, growing up with fantasy, I read a lot of fantasy. As far as accomplishments, like I think the most meaningful ones I've made are, are in crypto and the relationships that I have there. Okay, well, let's get into that then. I'm curious, you know, you hinted at finding Bitcoin and that, that, tapped into your anarchist nature, maybe. Do you remember the first time you ever heard about Bitcoin? And what was that story? Yeah, I was in my dorm room, it was 2011. And I was on 4chan, actually, <laughs> funny enough. And I was looking through all the different like sub threads, because like each one is so crazy and chaotic. And there's so many different, like, just people vying for attention, you know. And I was on the tech, I remember I was on the technology thread, it was slash G. And it was like, oh, this is cool. Oh, there's this like free, there's not like free meaning like uh, freedom, cryptocurrency called Bitcoin. I didn't even know what a cryptocurrency was. I just came across it and I kind of like read about it. I'm like, oh, wow, this is fantastic. Man, I, I really wish this succeeds. It won't. <laughs> so, and then I dropped it for like a whole like year and a half um, because like at the moment I was getting really obsessed with like, like politics and I was trying to like you know I don't know I was like a diehard Ron Paul supporter if you remember who he was of course yeah so I was like I was like keyboard warrior for Ron Paul it's so funny um and you know I won't, I won't get into that but like there was a whole bunch of like weird circumstances people felt like slighted like they weren't accurately represented and in large part he wasn't but irrespective he didn't get the nomination and it was like so disappointing for me so it was kind of back to the drawing board and um, it actually took until mount gox exploded for me to pay attention again and uh once it did i'm like well everyone thinks bitcoin's dead because of mount gox because you know mount gox is the only mount you, do, you, do you know the history of mount gox by the way probably not as in-depth as you but i'm definitely familiar with the main talking points the acronym, it stood for Magic the Gathering. Mount Gox was a Magic the Gathering online exchange. I did read that a couple of months ago, actually. I didn't know that for a long time. Yeah, isn't that funny? So like they repurposed that for a Bitcoin exchange. And, you know, the I forgot the name of the um, founder, um, but... Jed McCaleb? Mm, was it Jed? Was it Jed? Well, he was one of them. 
And then he got, and then he sold it to the people who ended up, they got hacked behind other people as in leadership. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then Jed became part of Ripple. Right. And then Stellar. Yeah. I forgot about that. That's actually nuts. That guy is loaded. (laughs) (laughs) That's for sure. So, so speaking of loaded, when was the first time you bought Bitcoin? Oh, come on. (laughs) Okay. So we'll get, we'll assume it was somewhere around Mount Gox. It Um, was around then. Um, but I, I can, I can assure you, and this is, I'm not even capping. I wasted that entry. Like I should have like, like I started then, but because I was so like, you know, fueled by hopium at that point, uh, I, I thought like, you know, I'll just, I'll hold this Bitcoin until it moons again. And then it'll be great. I don't have to do anything. I don't have to work hard. I can just do whatever the hell I want. Um, and so all the gains that I made from that point, um, I just kind of squandered away. So legitimately, like in 2017, I, I started from nothing. So I didn't have, I had nothing to start off with. Nary a cent from that time. So even though I came into Bitcoin from 2013, what I really got out of it wasn't any amount of cash, more so the lessons about like, like how to, how to take care of yourself, you know? I think that that happens with a lot of people. And I can speak from personal experience when I say that the first bull run is usually a bunch of lessons. And if you're lucky to get some profit out of it, consider it luck. And then you hope that the second and the third bull run that you experience are the ones that you actually capitalize on. So I like this notion, which is that like everyone pays for their education one way or another. That's right. You know, that's right. (laughs) So, and it's humbling to go through a full bull run and to come out the other side and have hodled the whole way down or something along those lines. Everyone has a different story, but I mean, for me, I started in 2017 midway through the run. I didn't really know what was going on. And I just jumped on the rocket ship and thought I was a God. Uh, and then was very lucky to capture some profits out of necessity in some respects. And then, you know, rode most of it all the way down until the 2020 bull run where I also started with next to nothing, not nothing, but, you know, I, I had um, a small amount that I was able to play it well because of what I learned the first time. And that's when I discovered quant uh, was in 2020. And I'm curious, when did you discover quant? In 2018, like the turn into 2018, like, you know, this is when we were peak euphoria. And in my mind, I'm like, okay, there's no way they let this happen. And when I say they, I mean, capital T, uh, quote, they under, end quote, you know, it's like, like the, the big, the powers that be, they're not just going to let this exist and boom and bust and boom and bust continually. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I, I just, I had a thesis that, you know, the, the governing structures, that being the IMF, the BIS, et cetera, et cetera, would be using certain tools to, corral and control um, cryptocurrency currency as we know it. And with that thesis, I was looking for reg tech to kind of place cash in uh, or to place like money in. And I found, uh, I found quant and it was like almost too good to be true. I'm like, good God, what, what is this thing? Like he founded the ISO standard for blockchain and he has a token for it. What, what? Do you remember how you came across it? I think I was actually looking into the ISO. I was looking into the ISO standard because I remember I was like, 
an early chain linker. And oh my God, there's a whole story there too, but I don't want to get into that. And I was like, okay, ISO 20022, it's a really big deal. What's the ISO standard for blockchain? Oh, it's this. Who's Gilbert Verdian? Oh, wait, what's Quant Network? Oh my God, they're having an ICO. Holy crap. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. So I actually came from it to it from ISO TC307 first, rather than through any like uh, ICO drops or any other promotional thing. That's got to be the most based way to ever find quant. I was so happy when I found it, man. You have no idea. And you have to understand also that I was so sad when, you know, you, you buy into this thing at $1 and the ICO, and then it capitulates immediately down to 50 cents. So it's like all your hopes and dreams just smashed. <laughs> but Yeah. I wanted to talk to you about that a little bit. Like, what is it like when you're first starting out in a project like this, where today we have so much reassurance with all the partnerships and everything, like when you just pay attention a little bit, you start to see, oh my God, this is a behemoth. Back then you really just have the AMAs, you have the ISO standard, you know, you have Gilbert coming in and kind of patting everyone on the back saying, hey, we're meeting with this person. Take me back into those Telegram groups, like the vibe of the community that you're all kind of latching on to something that's really not as concrete as it is right now. Yeah, well, I mean, as you said, it was very nascent. The team was much different. Everything was fresh. So there's a lot of engagement on the Telegram from Gilbert, from the team, from everyone. And a lot of optimism, of course, from the beginning. Um, but as, as you know, this was the beginning of the bear market, what most didn't realize is that because we were so fresh and because we were the antithesis of what the... Uh, main crypto space was all about, we thought we were going to be immune to a lot of the price action. And that just wasn't, wasn't true. And so it was a really hard period for that first year where there's constant like trolls, people who just want to like parasitize the community, like manipulate them into their own machinations. It's a very dark place when you're at the bottom of the, of the ladder and you have to climb, climb out of it. Like the first place that we ever had liquidity on was called IDEX. Uh, most don't know this. It was like a decentralized exchange before Uniswap, and it worked on an order book. So you had to match every buy with a sell. It was extremely unintuitive. And I think I made one trade on IDEX back in the day. Yeah. Well, Uniswap's a revelation. Automatic market makers are such a blessing um, compared to it. And it's uh, no wonder that, you know, IDEX has basically gone the way of the Dodo Bird. But yeah, basically we were we were just constantly being compared to all these like like just shit coins. Like the best of them were the likes of like Unibright. And and good God, I don't even remember like any of the other ones. But yeah, I just remember there's there were constant like wars between communities. Like you gotta fight for attention for your favorite coin between different other coins, like Twitter, Twitter polls and Good God, the Quamfy Lounge 1.0 was a cesspool. Oh my God, there was like so much like raunchy gifs and like sexually overt material, and it's like like just the absolute id of the collective unconscious. And what I mean by id is like the pure primal instinct, not filtered by anything. And so, like, yeah, when you're when you're that low and you're in the middle of a bear market, you'll do anything to survive. And so, like. What constantly we had to do was like, there's great alpha in this project and there's great substance to be had here. And so we kept focusing on that, kept focusing on 
like the fundamentals, felt, kept focusing on the greater picture. How, what does, what does Quant's tech imply in the grand scheme of things? All these seminal truths that are independent of price action. And we kept hammering these home and, and building threads about education and, you know, tying loose threads of FA here and there and like kind of building a thesis about why quant would be more value than it is now. And it's so cool to see it like blossom into like this, like well-established, well-ordered, like honestly, so well-governed, I barely even have to appear in the quant lounge. Like it's such a blessing to not have to be there every day and to live my life and like to help in different ways for, for our community. Like it's, it's really amazing to see these things like grow and develop in their own time. It's like, we did whatever we could to survive. And I think we did a good job. You definitely did a good job. And it is amazing. I've taken note how the different channels are to your point, very well self-governed and it takes a lot of effort and a lot of hours and hours of building that sort of community that uh, it it resonates instantly with any sort of troll that comes in the room that they automatically know that this is not a place that that's welcome and sometimes they'll have some fundamental concerns and we try to address that as adults but it very rarely gets out of hand and i think you know the number of different telegram channels that order and sort the different types of communication is also very interesting and well thought out to be able to form that sort of community, I think is just a testament to you and to Jeff and to the other admins that do such a good job, kind of making sure everyone's on the same page. Let's give some shout outs like uh, Luke CryptoCoit. He's been around since forever. Um, he's been my wingman for, for a long time. Uh, Dread. Mr. Monkey Bondo, Bongo, he's like, he's done so well for himself and his family. And I'm, I'm so happy for him because he, he's like, he, he was, he's doing so much of a better job than like what was given to him. And that's like the highest honor you can pay to your own family. We'll have Dread on the podcast as well. I'm very excited to talk with him. Yeah. He'll have a story and a half for you. There's uh obviously Jeff, there's obviously Dr. Puppers. We have a lot of new faces as well. There's so many different participants in our community that like have just made, made it a pleasant place to be around. And it wouldn't have been possible without good faith from them and, and collaboration. So yeah, again, this whole thing is a product of many, many years. And, and again, we've been, there's been many temptations too and kind of people coming and going and using for example, quant is a vehicle for, for their desires and their projection um, of like, frankly, like pumping and dumping for a long time. And just to like, to be able to go through those periods and to forestall these advances, it's just, it's just good. It's just good. I'm happy that we've chosen this path. It's hard to summarize this all at once and I'm sure I'm missing a lot. So I apologize for anyone that I've missed and like people like Cobra. Oh my God. Like what an absolute legend, like an absolute Chad, <laughs> but, but just too much Chad for his own good. I don't know what else to say. It's too many stories, man. Too many stories. So speaking of Chad's uh, and Quant, I was curious about how Quant has actually played a part in your maturity and your evolution 
as a person and whether that is how you see the world or maybe certain paths of research that you've gone down, maybe the way you think about dealing with community. There's a number of different ways that this project could have impacted your life. And I'm curious what stands out the most to you and what role has Quan played for you as you've evolved? So there's basically this unconscious um, demand, well, both unconscious and conscious <laughs> demand from Gilbert and uh, of the team he's built and of what they represent, which is kind of like, like a formalization and the, the, so to speak, becoming real of the, not only the space of crypto, but also of us as a community. I would say building a culture is just as hard as building a piece of technology, but in a different way, like a piece of technology, obviously, yes, you're overcoming real problems and you're overcoming like, uh, you're solving issues in a in a very hard way and it can seem abysmal when you don't solve it but when you when you finally arrive at that right conclusion and, and do figure out the solution it it all clicks together and you objectively have it whereas with like something more soft like a community it's something that you you can't directly impose your will on it without side effects like there's always these pushes and pull dynamics. And when you, you feel like you're at the top of the totem pole and you abuse your power, you actually, in, in my opinion, you lose that power in a sense too. So, so keeping something in order and keeping people aligned, not only for the day-to-day, -day, let's just say in this case, price advantage, but also the collective goal, something higher, something that actually can keep people satisfied for for longer than just a moment, that's where the difficulty lies in building a, a culture. And that's something that like, you know, it's a continual process. Um, you have to show up every day, just like you do in a real, real job. Um, and, you know, you're, you're never done improving on who you could be and who, who you may become because the ideal that you reach for, and I'm, I'm a Christian, so it's like, uh, my ideal is that of Christ to act with like a loving heart and with perfect mercy. You're never going to live up to that, but you can become more and more day to day. You can become better at it. You can become more accountable. You can live up to this impossibly high expectation. And to speak more on that, I guess, is to just say that like, it's not about perfection. It's about like having a, almost having a relationship with these ideals and i would say that's god for me and so like having a relationship with the father you can become more like him and again it's like i don't want to impose this on on anyone who is like uh who is part of the community obviously everyone has their own religions everyone has their own beliefs everyone has their own ideals but i, I just want to say that this is like the the way i approached um kind of cultivating and leading the community from, from the beginning. It's awesome. And isn't it amazing how life just presents you with these opportunities where I'm, I don't think someone would have thought, at least I didn't, you know, just finding a, another altcoin that this would be something that would open up the way that I think, or the way that I interact with other people or the way that I navigate my world. And it sounds like for you, it's definitely been an eye-opener in terms of building 
a culture and a mindset and a patience and all these things that are required in order to succeed in life. And you can learn that through some silly little crypto. Absolutely. It's true. And I think it's um, true of anything. You know, once you find something that you're responsible for, no matter how big or small, take responsibility for that thing totally and do your best to take care of it and to learn how to take care of it better. I think that's the, the biggest thing. And it will, it will pay back to you in dividends. It's a blessing to be able to interact with, you know, the likes of yourself, Greg, and, and everyone else in our lovely community and to just kind of see all this unfold in real time. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. And to that point, you know, for the people that are listening, I would love for you to just give your take on interoperability as a whole and how it plays such an important role, not just in the systems we have now, but the systems that we anticipate being developed and just the way that it can connect all of the new technology with the existing technology and what sort of opportunities that it's going to bring to the world. So in order to go forward, in order to look forward, I think it's valuable to look back. And this is going to be a little weird, but there's a project called Xanadu. Xanadu by Ted C. Nelson is a protocol not for hyperlinks, but for hypertext. So what does that even mean? He basically thought that for every single snippet of information, this could be a sentence about the future of interoperability is quant network, like that sentence right there, could be referenced and cataloged from many different pages, meaning that you could have one internet page that was composed of another internet page's snippet of that piece of data. And, and so basically this TED guy, he wanted to create this like contextual web where context was being preserved and the source of information itself was also being cataloged from website to website. And it was a very ambitious project, but ultimately he found it impossible to bootstrap. And this is kind of what I'm getting at. There will never be one true interoperability project to rule them all. There's always limitations in one way or another that prevent seamless interoperability between all domains. Whether it's the fact that new domains come up and new different DLTs, for example, emerge out of the ether, um, whether it's old, old domains like Ethereum itself, right? They upgrade to new protocols like Ethereum going to proof of work to proof of stake, maintaining that connector framework, the ability for you to connect to the network. You also have to update alongside Ethereum itself. And as the number of networks you maintain access to also have to, you know, update and maintain themselves and to prevent themselves from breaking, you also have to keep in line with those changes as well. And that's a very difficult thing to coordinate across what could be a near infinite amount of blockchains. Like I really do believe we're going to enter a world in where everyone is going to run something that looks like a blockchain, like their data, they're going to own it and interoperating that data with wherever it needs to go will be commonplace. So yeah, it, there's lots of sacrifices and compromises we have to make in the name of interoperability that may you know, prevent the highest ideal of the technical specification of how we should do so. But that shouldn't dissuade us from trying to reach for that highest goal. Again, like I said before, 
So there are ways in which Quant and Overledger could be improved and ODAP as well. There are many ways in which having interoperability between not only DLTs, but also DLTs in the real world will compromise upon that technical idealism, so to speak. And a lot of engineers will be bothered by this. But I think that the route Gilbert and team are paving is one that's very practical. It's very rooted in real life experience with the networks that they've architected. It's something that they can iterate on over time and try to reach this end goal and end state. And there will be many people that try to embody this sort of platonic ideal of interoperability independently at the same time, just as you see many architectures starting to resemble Overledger and starting to resemble ODAP. But the fact that they are converging upon these seminal design decisions and seminal points means that they'll soon get to a point where people will be able to merge their efforts together and to kind of consolidate their technical desires into a coherent framework. And so I'm pretty, I'm pretty optimistic that interoperability will be achieved by 2025, if not sooner. And the projects that facilitate this, the infrastructure that helps onboard and convert legacy infrastructure into decentralized cryptographic infrastructure, which is much more fundamental than I think most realize. This is about literally converging the notions of what people consider to be corporations with autonomous networked utilities. This is something that's going to be happening over the next few decades. And ultimately, the notion of interoperability is going to have to span not just across the domain of the virtual world, but also across the interplanetary domain to make protocols that can span the stars, which is ultimately what this sort of light speed communication is all about achieving. And so the need for non-monolithic institutions for spontaneous organization these sort of principles are what's going to dominate the discussion around interoperability as well. Absolutely. And I think that's going to get people's minds going. And the purpose of this channel is going to be to continue to explore these notions. And it sounds like we're going to have a very exciting rest of the decade. So Ghost, I want to give you a chance to let people know where they can find you if they want to reach out to you, or if you have a project that you're working on that you'd like them to check out. Is there anything that you want to plug or let people get in touch with you via a certain method? Yeah. So um, I'm on Twitter, obviously, and Telegram as well. I go by the name of the Ghost of St. Miklos on these platforms. Um, and if you wish to contact me, feel free to reach out. Otherwise, projects I'm interested in, I'm really fascinated by self-sovereign identity. My personal favorite project is a project called Check, C-H-E-Q-D. It's basically a project that's focused on achieving sustainable business models for self-sovereign identity-based systems. So systems that empower the user to own their data, to own their credentials, rather than being owned by a platform themselves. Self-sovereign based technology is what's going to help us achieve this conversion of equities and corporations into basically almost proof of stake systems, really. I think equities and corporations will essentially become proof of stake systems like in a really fast 
sudden to most people transformation because it's not that hard to formally represent the relationship between people and the corporation in a cryptographically relevant way. And when you tokenize equities on top of that, then you, you, you literally just have a corporate DAO that runs a proof of stake system based on tokenized equities. It's really weird. I don't know what it means long-term, but SSI systems are going to facilitate that and people need to own their data regardless. So yeah, I'm really excited about that project. That's awesome. And I really appreciate you coming on and spending the time. And I'm really excited we got this first episode down and you were able to join me. Hopefully, you know, I'll have you again on at a later time. Yeah, Greg, anytime, man. And especially to everyone listening, as always, you know better than I do, even how wonderful Greg is. So just keep supporting his content. And uh, I'm sure he has plenty of surprises for us in store. And I can't wait to see it. Well, there you have it. Episode one is in the books. I appreciate you all for listening, and I hope you took something from Ghost's unique perspective on interoperability and the history of quant. Keep an eye out for a new video on Monday, and on Thursday, we'll be on Telegram for a live Q&A and general quant discussion. Really looking forward to that. See you all then.